Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I'm Clayton Caldwell, Philip Matthew, and Spencer Cowan here tonight as we bring you Talking in Circles. Tonight, we're going to talk about Michigan International Speedway, the race, the Firekeepers Casino 400 at Michigan International Speedway. There was also a Truck Series race and an Xfinity Series race we'll get to a little bit later as well. Plus, the big news of the day, Alex Bowman, his sponsorship, one of his main sponsorships for 2019, is gone as the 2020 season approaches. That is nationwide, as they announced they will not return to NASCAR or Hendrick Motorsports in the 2020 season. We'll discuss what that means for Bowman and what that means for Hendrick Motorsports moving forward. Uh, the number to dial the show here is 917-889-8280 here tonight on Talking in Circles. Again, Clayton Caldwell, Philip Matthew, and Spencer Cowan here as we are live. Guys, want to get to uh, the Fires Keepers Casino 400 from Michigan International Speedway. It was the race won by Joey Logano. Kurt Busch finished second. Mark Trix Jr. was third. Then it was Daniel Suarez and Kyle Busch rounding out the top five. Logano led 163 of the races, 200 laps. Uh, really dominated. Was the only driver to lead a significant amount of laps throughout the race. We saw Harvick lead set 15. Um, Austin Dillon led a few as well. But was really the only driver to go out and dominate uh, the race and lead, lead the majority of the laps. What did you think, Philip, of the Fires Casino? Firekeepers Casino 400 from Michigan. I mean, if you weren't a fan of Joey Logano, uh, you probably <clears throat> weren't too keen on it. I mean, I, I'm, I would go and add uh, Kevin Harvick, I guess, uh, before they imploded on the last uh, uh, last section there of the race and uh, basically gave away their chance to uh, do anything. Uh the reality is that race was uh, generally uneventful. I mean, in the sense that, yeah, they were close. And for Michigan standards, that's definitely a closer race. So if, if that's, if you like, personally, if, if you're into watching that kind of racing, what, what essentially was a processional race, then, and based on how they, the media partner decides to shoot the race, which is literally only show the leader um, or, or about 85 to 90% of the time, instead of showing what's going on, unless we're led to believe there was nothing going on away from the leader. Uh, it looked like basically driving on the garden state parkway at 180 miles an hour. Uh, that's a reference for, uh, for Clayton and I, but uh, you know, Joey Logano and that team had a fast race car all weekend. Kevin Harvick was basically the only other car that had any chance. He was the only guy that really was the, he was the only person that passed, I think that passed somebody without help. Uh, from what I, I remember off the top of my head, really. And, but then once he got stuck in traffic, he was garbage, uh, which was everybody virtually. And then that last, that that last restart was, you know, the same way as they had the last restart at a couple weeks ago at Charlotte. The Charlotte race was 
generally uncompelling. Uh, and then they had that restart at the end, and it just shuffled everything up. And it was like, oh, my God, that's awesome. But, you know, good for Joey Logano, uh, second win of the year for them, another win at Michigan for him in the 22 team, and uh, props to Kurt Busch, uh, another great run for that one team. And uh, they're really hitting above their weight this year. They're not, they have issues on pit road with the pit crew, which is a nasty thing, obviously. They have issues with, you know, other things there with the organization, but Kurt Busch is proving once again, why he's a champion. And he's one of the more underrated people who has been around and probably in the last, last 20 years, I would say um, people want to get him on his character, but you put him in a good race car and you let him just go free. He's hard to beat. And he's a, he's a sneaky pick here later in the year uh, as they get more experience together. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a pretty processional deal. They're all together. So for Michigan, instead of it being spread out, they're all together and they couldn't go anywhere. It is what it is. So um, I guess uh, going to the off weekend for them and, Looking forward to the return of the carousel at uh, Sears Point in a couple in a week and a half's time. Yeah, so I mean, going back into the into the race more in <clears throat> detail, I mean, basically Ford made a big uh, made a big deal. Uh, Edsel Ford made a big deal to all the drivers about going and uh, winning this race, and it looked like based on you know Logano and Kevin Harvick, big commitment there. I mean, Suarez ended up pulling out a top five finish there as well. Brad got uh, another top 10 at his home racetracks. You had Ryan Newman, Ryan Blaney, mostly Fords there in the top 10. Uh, the two Toyotas, of course, that's Truex and Kyle Busch. Truex, uh, you know, did his usual crying game uh, deal where he wasn't happy with that last restart, but NASCAR and a bunch of other people deemed it legal, so in the end, that came through that way. Uh, Kyle Busch was junk all day long, uh, but by the end, virtually all day long, but up by the end of the day, somehow or another got a top five finish out of it. So, I mean, credit to him. 
in that team. That's how they. That's how you win championships. You take uh, you take bad days and make something out of them. I go and give credit there to Daniel Hemrick, uh, getting a of 12th place finish, one of their better finishes. They've been making a progress here in this last month, uh, you know, after a really brutal start to the season. Uh, Chris Busher getting a 16th place finish. Yeah, they need a lot more than that, but, you know, the that team is making progress as well. Uh, you know, those are some of the people I would go and uh, look at for this race, and there's other people we'll talk about later in more detail. What do you think, Spencer, about this uh, the race on uh, on on Monday? Actually, yeah, I agree. Uh, I thought the racing was close, um, and I like that. You know, I like how a leader isn't able to pull away and uh, really just leave everybody in the dust. Um, but the passing, you know, drivers say it's racing, it's not passing. But you know, we don't want to sit there and watch watch follow the leader. Um, but, yeah, the, I liked how the uh, racing was close. I like how the second-place guy was able to stay right on the back bumper of the uh, first-place guy. Um, and like you said, you really needed help to pass. And if you didn't have any help, there was not going to be any passing. Um, but it was going to be hard to beat that 22 car. He was uh, had a dominant uh, performance all race. Um, and he said he wasn't going to let Ethel Ford down. He was going to park the thing in victory lane, and that's what he did. And he proved that, you know, he can – out win another championship with that performance of leading all them laps and uh, really letting nobody take the top spot. Yeah, I mean that's the you when you have those kind of performances, you just kind of got to give credit to the team for what they did and kind of take it from there. Uh, other notable finishers: uh, Spencer's guy Kyle Larson, Michigan uh, specialist, got a 14th place finish in the Credit One Bank Chevy. Eric Almirola started on the outside pole. And, uh, yeah, he won. He got – didn't he win uh, – or, no, he was he was doing pretty well there. It was at Austin Dillon got a stage, but then he hit the wall. We're going to go into that. But Eric Almirola started second, got back in traffic through to the last uh, late pit stop sequence and uh, ended up finishing 17th. Uh, Chase Elliott finished 20th. And uh, let's see here, going through Austin Dillon won the second stage, but ended up hitting the wall uh, during the third stage and uh, ended with a 26th place finish and a nice looking uh, three three car. Uh, Bubba Wallace had a car that was running about top 15, no worse than top 20. Then uh, had some uh, had a tire rub and uh, lost a couple laps and never was able to re- respond there. Got a 28th. Eric Jones hit the wall, uh, or hit the wall a couple times and ended up blowing a tire, which caused the last uh, yellow. He ended up finishing 31st, screwed me over in fantasy. That's beside the point. And Clint Boyer got involved in a wreck uh, with uh, David Reagan, uh, I think, um, and uh, ended up 35th, and he was not very happy about uh, the package they had on Monday and in general, uh, the defending race winner, Clint Boyer, and lost a lot of points uh, in um, on Sunday. So, uh, Spencer, I'd go and ask you, in terms of the people that were outside of the top ten, you know, who do you see there that's kind of like a, a surprise that they didn't end up doing better or something that we should probably be looking at as maybe a concern uh, as we go into this, uh, this next portion of the season.
Yeah, it's an interesting race, guys. And I think what we really saw, like I said, it. I guess it comes down to at the end of the day, um, you know, what people's preferences are. I mean, for me at Michigan, here's my preference. I, I you know, I guess I remember the days of of uh, tires falling off and adjustments being something that could really, you know, um, be make a difference on a racetrack. Uh, and, and that kind of stuff, and, and uh, you know, I, I miss that. And there's no doubt this package did what NASCAR intended it to do as far as um, the racing was closer. There's no doubt about that. The cars were, were very, very close. But to me, you know, there was a time in the middle of that race where, if you remember, the pit sequences were a little off. I think it was in the second stage. And they were talking about who needed the pit. And who didn't? And the cars that stayed out were the top seven on the restart. Those top seven stayed the same for almost the entire run until they had to pit. I mean, nobody passed the top seven, and they were on older tires and in cleaner. And it just seemed like, why isn't the top seven changing? You know, Mike Joy kept saying, hey, uh, the top seven haven't pitted yet. Top seven haven't pitted yet. And we had a restart, and these guys were close, and they couldn't get by them. And to me, that was a big problem, and I felt like, you know, that to me was – if we didn't have the, the cautions we had and the stages, and I think also what might have hurt this race a little bit, and I know it rained, and I know a lot of people believe that, that competition cautions are good for this sport. I hate them, but, you know, I think the competition cautions sort of hurt things because it, it teams had a chance to sort of adjust, and those cars that might have been a little bit off had a chance to get – handling right and once they all started to sort of handle the same nobody went anywhere so that was my problem with with the fires keepers casino 400 at michigan but no doubt a, a solid solid race for joey logano um another guy i think we, that i'm not sure if you guys mentioned or not was daniel hemrick a great run for him he did a great job in and uh in the eight eight car he's starting to seem like he's coming around a little bit here um in the uh in the race so this season, he's having a really good year. Um, I, I'm, I, the really good last couple of races. Uh, also, a, a puzzling decision, Philip, by Chad Johnson in the 42. Uh, took four tires there on that final restart under Green when everybody was really took two. And Larson, when he came around for that round, that round of pit stops, he was running about sixth or seventh. He ended up 14th. And if he didn't get that caution at the end, he could have ended up worse than that. Uh, a puzzling decision to take four tires there. And, and it's not like Kyle Larson's in a situation where he's got to win and he can afford to gamble. He has to get his points. And uh, I, I thought kind of a, a, a really a, a bad decision by Chad Johnson. What were your thoughts on that, Philip? Yeah, I mean, I would, I mean, I, I forgot about that part of the deal for Larson. Uh, I mean, I remember more Harvick, and the aftermath of that, I think I was talking to you, or I posted it somewhere where he basically went uh, Marshawn Lynch after the race when he was completely livid. Uh, when you consider he had probably the second best car in this race, probably should have finished second on literally the only other car that could pass. And he took four, they took four tires and he lost all that track position, the caution comes out, then they couldn't do anything on that restart, and he finishes seventh. I mean, for, for Larson and that team, I, I, I really don't know. I, I really don't understand a lot of the things they're doing this year, and I don't see the productivity there for them to really do anything when it counts. Uh, it's a, a situation where Kurt Busch is way outperforming the equipment, the team, everything. And then Larson has just taken this precipitous drop, and that that whole team has. And I'm no fan of Chad Johnson. I haven't been a fan of Chad Johnson for a long time. But And we've had the conversation about them and, and you know, what they should have done probably at the crew chief position. But, you know, you're you're on the bubble here. I mean, there's – Right now, he's only 12 points ahead of 18th in points. He's 15th, Kyle Larson, and Eric Jones is 18th. And he's 18th after 
Eric Jones finished in the back after his all the issues he had, and he's had issues two of the last three races. So the reality is that's one you know bad bad race or one miscue at at Sears Point next week, and he could be outside of the top sixteen. So you can't you can't be gambling. You can't be doing too. You you should be following at this point. You should be following what other people are doing. You can't be gambling. You don't have the fastest race cars. You're not in a position to be doing that. The only people that really should have been gambling, and I was saying this because I knew Brad had no chance to win the race. I was like, all right, pit now. Pit as early as you can. Get ahead of the curve and kind of set the table. Like how they had at Pocono, it didn't work out in their favor. Uh, you know, like do that. You know, dictate something. Kyle Busch, I don't know where or how other than Adam Stevens and whatever, and that last restart that they got a top five finish. They were 15th every, the whole day. They were non-factor. But yeah, Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be a conversation to see what, how, how the 42 does here in the next couple of months leading up to this playoff. And if they make it, because I have a hard time believing at the rate that they're going and some of the moves that they made, that they're going to be able, it's going to be really tight for them to make this, to make this deal once it gets to Indianapolis. Yeah. And here's my thing too. And I told Spencer this on, on Monday, I thought what Johnson did honestly was a fireball offense. I'm sorry. I just didn't know how you could sit there and take four tires and, and think about, you know, tires didn't mean anything all race. I just, I couldn't believe it when they, when they saw him come down and, and like I said, you need points. You know, it would make a little bit more sense if, if you sat there and you said, well, the car's not handling that great. They need to figure out sort of the handling on this race car because they come back here in the playoffs. And, uh, or they come back here, you know, when they get a little bit closer to the playoffs. And maybe they want to win and get some stage points. Okay, fine. Like, um, it, when they come back here, you could sort of understand it if they had a win. But they need every point they can get. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. you got Sears Point coming up, like you said. And then you got Daytona after that. Uh, two races that, and he's you know, horrible at Daytona. Yeah, and and you never really it's out of your out of your control at Daytona. And, and Sears Point, he's not really a great road racer. At least he hasn't proven that to this point in the Cup Series yet. So you know you want to get as many points as you possibly can. And I just kind of scratched my head on it a little bit. Um, you know, what do you think, Spencer? I mean, you were I'm sure real close to the situation there, listening in. And stuff like that. Uh, what was what was the conversation? Was there a conversation? And what did you think of of Larson taking four there towards the end of that race? Honestly, I don't remember them saying anything. You know, I was texting you uh, doing the thing, and you texted me. Um, I thought as maybe you texted me or I texted you about some some about him taking four tires, and then you know we were talking about the whole deal, how we thought it was a bad idea. But I mean. Yeah, everybody was taking two, and like you said, tires didn't mean anything. We saw guys not take any tires on pit stops, and then here come the end of the race, and you're going to take four on a green flag pit stop when you this track is so fast, and you have to, and it's a long pit road. You can only do 55 down the whole thing. I mean, as you would say, your favorite word, what you like to call people, is a bonehead move, and um, I agree. You know, it's a terrible call, and. I mean, you can't win races when you make stupid decisions like that on top of the pit box. You just can't. You have to execute. You have to be perfect. And I'm not saying he had the best car. Obviously, Logano had the best car, but, you know, he was all over the back bumper of that 22 car. So who knows what he could have done. Um, but his, when you his take team finished second. Call, yeah. So, I mean, it's they had good cars, both of them. And it's not like Larson was way off. He didn't deserve to finish 14th. But, like I said, you can't make stupid calls. You have to be spot on. And if they want to make the playoffs, they better start being spot on or they're going to find themselves out of it and they're going to have to watch the one car of Kurt Busch compete for a championship. That's all I got to say. Yeah, it, it's that's, that's to me the biggest, you know, and I know Kurt Busch is a really good driver and I'm not trying to say that Kurt Busch isn't a good driver here, but uh, we know Larson's got the talent. And that's the thing I think that makes you scratch your head a little bit about this 42 team. You know, I know there's people out there and I understand this, to, completely, they don't think Ganassi's a, a top-notch team. I understand that to an extent, but you know, but, but Kurt Busch is running fine, and he's like, "Hey, I'll come back next year because we're doing so well this year." So, 
Um, it doesn't seem like it's it's the entire if the entire organization was struggling a little bit this year, I'd be like, okay, maybe they are a little bit behind them where they should be. But you know, it makes you just kind of point to that 42 and say, well, maybe there's something that needs there's something else that needs to be changed over there on that 42 team. You mentioned Kyle Busch earlier, Philip. Yeah, that's a great run for him to come out fifth. I mean, he was. There was a time where I said, "Who's this?" I'm a, you know, I'm a David Reagan fan. Watching David Reagan on the on the little uh, the NASCAR app, and I'm like, "Who's this blue car in the middle that's just dropping like a rock? Get out of the way!" And all of a sudden, I look and I see M&Ms on. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, it's Kyle Busch!" So it was not a very good race at all for him, uh, but he was able to salvage a nice day out of it. Ryan Newman as well. Newman in that six car uh, for Jack Rash, really the whole Rash Fenway team, Front Row Motorsports included. They kind of had decent speed, but they weren't. The Roush team early on that race was not very good. They found a little bit. Newman a nice run in eighth, like I said, a nice finish there. Stenhouse in nineteenth, not what you want at all for him. Um, but he's you know made contact. Him and Reagan made contact. I'm not sure how much that affected uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. But um, it was just an interesting race from those two standpoints. I think those two drivers, Newman and really Kyle Busch, really gained a lot of positions there towards the end of that race. Okay, guys, something else I want to talk about here. Um, on Talking Circles tonight. I know we, we talked about the, the race, and, and we'll get to the points scenario here in a little bit where really it's the same thing uh, every week. You know, the same guys sort of shuffle around each each other. Um, you know, one guy that's really interesting is Eric Jones, whether or not he can make it. But uh, how about the Alex Bowman situation, Philip? You know, we learned today Alex Bowman um, nationwide is out at the end of this season they will not return for the 2020 season. They had a, an option to return this season in 2020, and they decided to not exercise that option. They decided to uh, pull back their sponsorship after this season. So uh, this is the second year in a row now that we've had Hendrick Motorsports lose a longtime sponsor, a longtime partner with them. Uh, you know, they were able last year to find a, a partner for Jimmy Johnson when Lowe's left in, in Allied Financial. Can they do the same thing for Alex Bowman in the 88? That remains to be seen, but – uh, how do you think this affects Bowman's future in that 88 car if it does at all? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, this news is uh, not something that I would say is a positive sign for Bowman, the showman. He's, I mean, he's 10th in points. He had those second-place finishes. He's been on the cusp. I, it's It's sad to say that if he had been able to pull out one of those wins, maybe we're not having this conversation right now. Theoretically, it's not like they use Alex Bowman in a lot of their marketing materials. They use Junebug, and they're still going to use Junebug. So uh, that's a whole other thing. I don't. It's not a performance. I don't believe it's a performance-based decision in this case. Uh, you could theor- theoretically make that case for the way Johnson was going last year. Like if if Bowman had lost a sponsor last year it will make more sense than it does this year. It makes the 88 car quite the interesting little proposition when we talk about all these, you know, the big three in the Xfinity series. We talk about some of the drivers and some of the people that are relatively, you know, that might be free or might have some options going on. It's going to be an interesting next few months. And that 88 car is going to be part of that that game. So um, I feel bad for Bowman because it's not like he's ever really ever had a situation until, I guess, this last couple of years where he's had full support and backing, per se, to perform. And he's finally figured it out, and I think he's finally in a good place. And now they're pulling the rug out from under him. Uh, he's a serviceable, solid driver. Is he top tier? You know, debatable. But uh, he's what Hendrick, he, he does what Hendrick wants him to do. And he's been solid. And so, I don't know. I guess we'll find out here if Hendrick's able to go and find a, a partner, you know. Yeah, that's going to be the big deal is whether or not they can do that. Because, like you said, Bowman, um, he's an he's done a nice job this year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think that's where you kind of look at it and scratch your head a little bit and go, he's really done a nice job. And, and I, I, I guess I ask this question, Spencer. Do you think this is more of a of a sign that it's 
bad for NASCAR instead of Hendrick Motorsports. I mean, listen, you know I've been a Reagan fan for a long time, and I remember when UPS left David Reagan, and um, I thought his July win in the Daytona in the in Daytona would make UPS sort of, you know, think about not leaving David Reagan. You know, he came so close that year to winning the Daytona 500 too, if it wasn't for uh, move, you know, moving before the start finish line, and maybe UPS hangs there. But I, I'm not sure that a win, and this is my part of the problem I have with it. And I guess I'm sort of answering the question for you, but I want to get your opinion on it. Does a win mean? Does, does winning mean that much anymore? I mean, um, as far as the sponsorship is concerned, because we see these teams that are that are winning teams now losing these big sponsors. What are your thoughts? No, I don't think winning means anything and I tell you why maybe for and just here's just what I think on it maybe for a small company to sponsor a race car and just say a small company was able to sponsor a big time driver and he parked it in victory lane that sponsor is getting tons of exposure you're new you're small great but just say Lowe's being on Jimmy Johnson's car are with that sponsor being on his race car, is it really bringing more money through the front doors of all the Lowe's stores? Me personally, I don't think so because everybody knows a Lowe's. Everybody's had M&Ms. So does it bring more money into you know these companies or these uh, – yeah, companies for uh, – I get it. It's promoting – I mean everybody wants to promote their brand I, to try to get them. To, but I just don't think that it brings – more money to the company. I mean, because everybody knows about it already. Bush beer. I don't think more people drink Bush beer because it's on Kevin Harvick's race car. Everybody knows of it already. Anybody who drinks has had a Bush beer, I'm assuming. So that's why I don't think these sponsors want to keep spending millions and millions of dollars to put their name on these race cars because it. I don't think it does anything. Um, and and I've I've been thinking it's, about that for years. So I mean, no, I don't think winning. I, no, I don't think it has any. No, it just it doesn't mean anything. It's marketing only. You're promoting yeah. a brand, but everybody. So I don't know. Yeah, that's that's where I, I'm a little. Uh, you know, it used to be when on Monday sell on when on Sunday sell on Monday. That was what the you know the old manufacturer thing in this sport where. You know, if let's say if Ford won on Sunday, you could buy a fourth Thunderbird, and people would be like, "Hey, I want to buy a fourth Thunderbird on Monday." When on Sunday, come on Monday, and that was sort of the same thing. I mean, I remember growing up as a kid, and I'm sure Philip did the same thing. I'm sure you do with Spencer too. Where, hey, you know what? I bought Tide detergent because Tide was the on the five car, on ten car when I was a kid growing up. I asked my mom, "Hey, let's go buy Tide," or you know, I went to McDonald's because there was a McDonald's car, not a Burger King car. Um, you know, and NASCAR fans are very loyal that way as far as marketing is concerned. Um, but I think it's changed a lot here in the last 10 or 15 years where in this new age of social media, um, you know, I think a lot more is expected of drivers, a lot more is expected of teams, you know, maybe from a, a social media standpoint or from a, uh, a digital standpoint that they expect them to do a little bit more. I remember when Danica Patrick – uh, lost their sponsorship with Nature's Bakery. They part of their suit against Stuart Haas Racing was that she didn't really post much about them on her social media pages. And if sure enough, if you went back and looked, uh, it was very obvious that she didn't post much at all about racing or Nature's Bakery. She was worried about other things outside of the race car on her Instagram page. Which I'm not saying drivers have to be on their Instagram page, but when it's in part of your contract, you have to do that. Um, and I'm not sure. Again, I'm not. I don't follow. I follow Bowman, but I'm not. And I haven't gone through his tweets a lot lately. Um, so I'm not sure that he was. You know, I'm not saying he was bad on social media at all. He could have been very, very good on social media. And this is nationwide in a new direction. But here's what my thing, Philip. You know, even Target a couple of years ago. I mean, they had a huge, huge potential to sponsor Kyle Larson in that Target Chevrolet. A young driver who could win a ton of races for him in the in the future, and they decided NASCAR is not for us. All, all, motorsports isn't really for us. They pulled out of motorsports altogether. Um, I'm sure. So it was it. It's now you know it wasn't a big deal when you saw these little teams uh, losing sponsorships. I think everybody's like, well, they're not winning races, so you can kind of sort of understand where they're coming from. 
Now that's not the case. Now we're watching these big-time teams, Hendrick Motorsports, in, you know, that's the thing, Hendrick Motorsports in back-to-back years. Hendrick Motorsports is probably a, a top-three team in this sport in back-to-back seasons, losing a, a major sponsor here. That's very concerning. Um, I, I think for Bowman, from his standpoint, uh, he, he makes, you know, Dale Jr. just sort of alluded to this. I think these younger drivers don't make nearly as much money as these older drivers do, so it might not be as big of a hit for Hendrick Motorsports as it might have been for, like, you know, Stuart Hans and Kevin Harvick if they lost Bush Beer. Um, but, you know, they signed that deal with Alex Bowman when Alex Bowman was under contract. So, you know, the, yeah, they're paying his contract, but maybe they didn't put as much in that 88 car over the last couple of years because Dale Jr.'s not in that 88 car. Uh, here's my fear, Philip, and I want to get your take on this. Are we going to get to a – and we're getting to this in a lot, in a lot of, of, of NASCAR, but in the Cup Series, it would be very concerning to me if it's sort of pay-to-play. We see with Paul Menard. Paul Menard's a guy who brings a lot of sponsorship to, uh, the, to Team Penske and, and the Wood Brothers. Uh, but, you know, Matt Tift brings sponsorship, and we see a lot of drivers. You really can't do a lot without sponsorship anymore. But my fear is, like, you know, Alex Bowman gets replaced for, like, a Brandon Jones who would bring the Rams sponsorship for the 88, and Brandon Jones has struggled in the Xfinity Series. That's my fear here is that it doesn't matter how you perform or anything. The only thing that matters is a paycheck. And if the Cup Series gets to that point, I'll be really, really concerned. Uh, are you concerned at all, Philip, about that aspect of it? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point there, Glenn. I, I, I didn't think about it in that sense. I've I've always worked under the pretense that NASCAR, especially under Brian France, and there's so many entitlement sponsors that if you looked on NASCAR.com and you scroll all the way down on the bottom of their crappy website – you'd see like, I don't know, 50 different things on the bottom, 50 different companies. And so a lot of these sponsors that could be on race cars because of the terrible, the terrible way that they promote or show these races uh, would rather be an entitlement and be a cardboard cutout on a end cap in a, in a seven 11 or or insert, you know, Wawa or, or Sheets or something or whatever. Or instead of like Target's a great example. Target was involved in motorsports since 1990, and then a couple years ago they decided to call it quits altogether. And frankly, if Kyle Larson hadn't been put in a 42 car, they would have been off of the 42 car before that. You know, it's the the some of these sponsors that are leaving. I mean. Jimmy Johnson, after winning seven championships and eight, whatever, three races or whatever it is, losing a sponsor is a big deal. You know, Tony had problems bringing sponsors at the end of his career. Theoretically, Jeff Gordon lost a couple of big sponsors, but he was able to kind of get something even until the end of his career. But when you're not that kind of – you're not at that level, you're at that next tier or below that, the pay-to-play starts coming in, and when you consider some of the, the, you consider some of these drivers. When you look at the Xfinity, you look at the Truck Series. It's a precipitous drop-off, and it is not good. Uh, you know, you think about pay-to-play. Uh, people like Brad Keselowski would have had no chance uh, if it weren't if pay-to-play were thing. Hamlin would have never came to be either. Uh, you know, when Kyle Busch came along, he was 16 years old, and Roush had him as one of I don't know how many people he had in his driver development program. And, you know, he had tons. He was flush with money. He had five fully sponsored cup cars. And then Rick Hendrick cried about not having five fully sponsored cup cars going and making it into the chase, and then they changed the rules. So... I mean, the, the landscape has changed. I remember when I was I was school in, in college and writing about, you know, hard liquor and how that came into play. And that was a big deal back in, you're talking about 06 or 05. And 
now it just seems like we're running out of people, we're running out of companies that are interested in sponsoring the product. And if it becomes, you know, daddy's money or mom or or mommy's money, you know, getting into the into the cup series. The reality is when you look at other forms of motorsports that exist in sports car racing, that's why they have pro am uh categories. But you know, it's it would be it's bad news if it goes down that road. But in a lot of ways it's it's the sanctioning body's fault and it's also the fault of a lot of these companies for the way that they want to market or who they market to or what they're trying to market. Because there are drivers that could be sponsored by anybody and everybody and would get you the ROI, would get the best ROI that you could even come up with, but they can't get a sniff of sponsorship. And then you have drivers that have tons of sponsorship and they couldn't drive a hot nail through snow. So it's, it's the sad commentary of motorsport and how things are and how fortune 500 companies are, you know? Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, that's the alarming part is now we're starting to see, you know, like I said, we've always seen sponsors leave and we've seen sponsors come in. And like I said, Allied Financial came in. Acorns uh, is a big time sponsor on Ryan Newman this year. And they, and, and Oscar Meyer as well, they've kind of stepped up on that six car for a team that didn't have a ton of sponsorship over the last few years on that six car. And when, when, uh, when Trevor Bain left with the Adwood Care sponsorship, everybody kind of thought, oh, well, how's that six car going to make it? Well, they've made it, and they've got a full-time they, – they seem to have a lot of sponsorship on that car. Coca-Cola stepped up this week as well. Um, so it makes you almost scratch your head a little bit, and maybe these teams are going about it the wrong way, um, where, hey, you know, maybe Hendrick Motorsports is charging too much for their sponsorships, and these sponsors are going, we don't want to be a part of it, but – uh, and and Ross Fenway can sort of charge a little bit less because they're not winning as many races as they once were. Uh, it, it, and you know, Front Row Motorsports seems to get decent sponsors here and there. Now I know a lot of that team is funded by uh, Bob Jenkins. Bob Jenkins is a, is a is a business owner. He owns multiple businesses around the country, um, so he gets a lot of of sponsors. You know, a lot of that those businesses fund his race teams. But he still gets a couple of sponsors. You know, Love Travel Centers, that's, I think that's a, uh, a business-to-business deal with them. So they don't – I'm not sure how much money they put into that, but I think it's more of helping out Bob's trucking business at MDS. Anyway, I'm getting way off topic here. Uh, here's my question to you, Spencer. As a new fan, you know, I always felt NASCAR, as a kid growing up, I always felt the guys I was watching on the TV were the best at their craft that, um, you know – or the guys I was at the racetrack, I'm like, these are the best at what they do. You know, there's no – there, you know, and I was, obviously it was it was probably inc- incorrect because I'm sure there was a few drivers out there who weren't in a Cup Series who deserved to be in a Cup Series. But for the most part, um, I felt like these drivers were really talented and really, really good. Is that important to you now, or is it about an interesting race? Is an interesting race more important? It doesn't matter who's in these race cars because we could be getting to a point where – this product is basically, you know, it doesn't really matter who's driving. It's sort of a lot of luck and a lot of strategy, um, and the drivers really doesn't mean that much. Does the talent of these drivers still mean a lot to the new fan? What are your thoughts? Um, I would have to say no. You pay to go watch, to go see a good race. I pay to go see a good race. I don't go, I mean, and plus to cheer on your driver. I mean, you don't, I mean, let's let's be honest. You could put Joe Schmo and Susie Lou in a race car, and if they go out and put on a good show, I'm happy. I got my money's worth that I paid for my ticket. But, I mean, with these big names being in the sport, yes, I do think it brings a lot of money because um, they're well-known. But, no, I, I mean – I mean, people, not going to say names, but people of drivers who aren't so good that are in the Cup Series or any series in NASCAR, you know, they still have fans. You go to watch them. I don't think you go to watch, you know, you know, if you don't like Kyle Busch, you don't like Kyle Busch. So, 
No, I mean, if people go to watch a good race, and they don't care who's in the race car, they just go to cheer on their driver and see a good race and have a good time. So me personally, no, I could, I mean, no, it doesn't really matter. Here's a, that's interesting. It's a very interesting take because let's compare it to uh, another sport, uh, other sports. You know, hey, baseball, for example. You know, you can't get the baseball. You can't buy your way onto a roster in baseball. You just can't do it. You know, you can't sit there and say, hey, uh, I'll give you, I'll give a team $10 million to put me out there, and, uh, and I want to play third base. Let's go. And if somebody did that in baseball, even if one team did that, they would look at be looked at as a joke. You'd be going, what? They, they took $10 million for, you know, and again, I always throw it back to a New York lottery commercial. And I don't know if Philip remembers this because it was a New York lottery commercial, so it would be up here in the New Jersey, New York area where I am. But there was a New York lottery commercial where this guy, hypothetically obviously, won the lottery. And he bought this t- baseball team, and they and he kept making errors, and he kept striking out, and that was the highlight of the of of, uh, of the of the commercial. And they're interviewing the manager, and they go, "What about this guy?" And he's like, "Oh, he's doing fine. You know, he's fielding the grounders better. He's hitting better." And they go, "Does it matter that he bought the team?" He says, "Next question." And they said, "New York Lottery, give your teams a chance." Da, da, da. So yeah, that to me, you know, it was looked at as a joke. And, and if, if a football team, you know, for example, if Tim Tebow said, hey, you know what, I'm a good marketer. I got money behind me. Let me play quarterback. I'll, I'll, I'll make your brand better. I think people will look at it and go, what am I watching? Why am I watching this? If this is a joke, if I'm not watching the greatest players at their craft do what they do. So let's turn that back to NASCAR. Is, do you, how about you, Philip? I mean, to me, again, when I was growing up, I always thought these were the, the, the drivers were – Top notch, the best drivers at their craft. Um, if we get to a point where we don't have that, I think it, it, it you know, it, especially with the people inside of racing, the dirt fans of, the, of this world, where they look at it and they say it's a joke. Why watch NASCAR? It's an absolute joke because, you know, you could all you gotta do is just is have money and you're in a car. It doesn't make sense. Why watch it? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I've with my you know, my fandom going across multiple forms of motorsports. I've seen the, I mean, the fact that money gets you into good places, especially in racing, because the great way to be a, to maybe I forget the line or something about it. The easiest way to be rich in racing is is or get rich in racing is already start with a fortune or something like that and. Yeah, the easiest way to make a small fortune. The easiest way to make a small fortune in racing is to start with a big one. Yeah, so I mean that's that's the. I mean, there's some examples of drivers. Like I'm looking through, like the truck results. I'm looking at the Xfinity results, and I, in other forms of racing, especially, I mean, taking into account, you know, like the perfect example would be which was helped by uh, uh, Bill French Jr., amongst others, was the, the, the split and open wheel. And the number of people that were driving in big level, what they would call IndyCar racing, uh, over that period uh, was a who's who of, of why in terms of and, and just horrendous you know, levels of driving. Uh, one person that comes to mind just uh, because of Robin Miller's nickname for her was Milka Duno. Uh, she drove, she had Venezuelan uh, oil money and Sitco sponsorship, and she would go to series from series to series, basically, and take up big seats and and that's the kind of that's what it is and it, it was a farce and it was a joke and fundamentally there's certain series that are fueled by that and the way a lot of things are going right now that's where we're going and if it happens in cup it it would be sad uh it would be uh, but when you consider that the little the little team has basically been knocked out 
and the price to play is much different now than it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 15, 20. The likelihood of it happening is much more high, is a much higher likelihood. It's sad. Uh, but, you know, it's part of the damage that has been done over time by the, the you know, not only the shareholders within the sport, but people who ran the sport into the ground. And I, I don't really want to be looking at certain drivers out there in a cup car, but the reality is there are drivers in the cup series that race every week that probably shouldn't be in a cup car. And that has been the case for a long time, but, you know, the the likelihood of being more and more of them uh, is closer or more likely than we really want to believe. And it's sad right. and it's unfortunate, yeah. really. Yeah. And here's my thing too. I mean, and and I want to kind of change gears here a little bit. I mean, when is it time that these owners look at the charter system of what we have and what the charters do for NASCAR and what the charters do for these owners as far as a monetary value and say, you know what, guys, this isn't working. This isn't working. You know, do we get to that point? Because I, I think everybody who looks at this sport says, well, we need to bring the cost down. Absolutely. That is a, a number one goal. I think everybody can agree to that. Yet the truck series has a crate motor pretty much, and the Xfinity series has a uh, a common body. Wait, common body with the, uh, oh my goodness, the composite body. So yeah. yet it doesn't look like the, there's a million teams starting up or, you know, we've seen in the truck series Anthony Alfredo just lost his his ride for full time due to lack of sponsorship. So it's not like you can Ankrum, sit there Ankrum. and say, "Hey, you know what? What?" Oh, Tyler Anchor, I'm sorry. Tyler Anchor just lost his ride due to lack of sponsorship. Um, you know, it's not like you can sit there and say, "Hey, I'm sorry. We'll hang with you for a couple of weeks until we find sponsors." You know, that used to happen a lot. Where, hey, you know, we can only go for a couple of weeks, and then you know, if you ran good enough, the sponsor would come aboard. That doesn't seem to be happening, and you know, that's where my concern is is, well, if the crate motors aren't working in the truck series, if the composite bodies aren't working in the Xfinity series, and that seems to be everybody's answer when you say, what are you going to do to bring these costs down? Oh, we, we need to get a common motor, and we need to get a common body. Okay, well, we've seen him not work in the truck series or Xfinity series. How the heck is that going to work in a cup series? So to me, it makes it, you say, well, we got to look at it a different way. we got to look at it, uh, the chartering system a different way. And all that. And we could go on all night, guys, about about that for sure. But it's something to look at, and and it just it's alarming. Hopefully, uh, Hendrick and all this is is forgotten about here in a couple of weeks. And Hendrick Motorsports announces a brand new sponsorship on that 88 car for 2020, and Bowman stays in that car. Um, but it's something to keep an eye on here as the season goes along. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm sh- you know, it's not good. Listen, I don't think out. Al- certainly, I don't think it's it's doom or gloom for Alex Bowman. But he certainly wasn't jumping for joy today, going, oh, good, uh, Nationwide's not back next year. We'll have plenty of sponsorship next year. Uh, I think, you know, it's a little bit concerning for him. And right now, Hendricks got to get to work in their marketing department for the next uh, three or four months and see if they can find a sponsorship on that 88 card for next season. 917-889-8280, that's the, spon- that's the number here on Talking in Circles tonight. Uh, Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan here. Um, just want to touch real quick on the both Iowa races here, Spencer. Um, what are you looking for, Xfinity Series and Truck Series at Iowa this weekend? Um, you know, there, there's some no, really no cup drivers in any of these fields, so that's kind of nice to see. Um, you know, and it, it's always a, a great uh, weekend uh, because, you know, Trucks and Xfinity are sort of the, uh, the showcase event here in Iowa. What are your thoughts on this weekend here at Iowa? I still think the trucks, uh, you know, is a big topic of the whole Chastain thing. I still think, you know, all eyes are on that whole series with his deal because people really want to see if he can do it. So, I I mean, his name alone just stands out what, you know, everybody's going to be watching in the trucks, honestly. I mean, we've talked about it enough. I'm not going to go into big detail, but 
you know, you want to watch that. You really want to see if he can do it. Um, no, I think it's going to be okay racing, you know, um, for the Xfinity series, you know, you, I, you should expect to see the same guys run up front that normally do. Um, you know, it's a smaller racetrack, so you might see a few of the smaller guys try to uh, work their way up there. So, um, who knows? You can't, you never really know until the green flag drops, but that's my whole deal in the truck series. And like I said, Xfinity should, the Bells, the Allgaiers and all them should, the Custers, the Reddicks, you know, you'll see them battle up front. Yeah, it's inter- it, it's gonna be an interesting weekend. And, and uh, Philip, we talked a little bit offline. I want to get you know you to, to elaborate on this a little bit more because uh, it was certainly an interesting take on you know I, I screwed up before, but Tyler Ankrum, who finished third at uh, at Texas Motor Speedway this past weekend, you know to Greg Biffle by the way, who had a tremendous run in that 51 truck. There was a lot of carnage at Texas Motor Speedway, no doubt about it. And track position was very important, but for Biffle, who hadn't been in the car in two years, to go out there and pull off a victory at Texas was certainly impressive. Um, but Ankrum's out of a ride, at least part full-time, out of his full-time ride, and you uh, talked about how that could help Ross Chastain. What are your thoughts on that uh, as far as Ankrum being um, out of that ride and how that might affect Chastain in, in, uh, in these motorsports? Yeah, I mean, it's a shame for Tyler – uh, and that whole organization they've had uh they've struggled a lot in specifically when going back to our previous topic in terms of ride buyers and basically holding up a seat relative to your talent uh Tyler Ingram's a K&N East champion and he's proven he's learning every race and he's getting better and better and he had one of the great saves of the year. They're going to use that as part of the marketing uh, for NASCAR, I'm sure. And he did that and came back and finished third. It's unfortunate for him and that organization, him and Anthony Alfredo are both, are two of the most talented young, young guns that we have in this sport. And neither of them have that funding you know, we can go down the list of people. There's probably a hundred, a thousand. I don't know. You know, I I'm an Austin Terrio guy, and he's a perfect example of a guy who had who had one really bad incident. He was in, he got wrecked by Tyler Reddick. You know, it's a, it's crazy how things have turned out for Tyler Reddick, and he got turned by him. And you know, like people don't have sponsors, and it's sad because Ankrum was making progress. Was he gonna make? the playoff on points, probably not. It was probably more than likely not because he's missed races. But just like Todd Gilliland a year ago, if he was able to win a race because he had the he had the waiver, he would have taken up a spot, and that would have affected, you know, everything. Now with his exit, it allows – it gives a little bit more leeway for Ross Chastain – in terms of not only getting into the top 20 in points, but also the likelihood of, you know, getting that victory and making the the playoff of, on on merit. I mean, right now he's, of course, he's beyond Greg Biffle. But uh, the fact is, yeah, he's 35th in points, but the reality is, Anthony Alfredo isn't running every week, and he's, what is it, 62, 60, yeah, 64 points, I think, out of, out of the out of 20th. So, so he's in a position where, you know, he runs a couple of decent runs. He gets a couple of top 10 finishes, and all of a sudden, you know, he'll be there. That's not the issue. The issue will be to go and get a win. Uh, do I believe he can? Yes, I do. Um, and, I, I mean, it might happen at Iowa on um, Saturday night. Uh, it wouldn't be shocking to me. Uh, that's a place where a lot of, you know, interesting stuff happens. If you can get the right setup going, you can go and make something happen. So we'll see what Nice Motorsports has. And he, he finished second at Martin. He ran really well at Martinsville. So, it's not a similar track, but it's a short track. You know, maybe they have a good setup for that rough, uh, interesting uh, 7A smile uh, out there in Newton. Yeah, it's, 
it's more of a driver's racetrack than a lot of the other tracks we see. I'm not sure how much, uh, you know, uh, aerodynamics are going to be an issue, although that track's more of a uh, an aerodynamic-dependent track than a lot of other short tracks we see, you know, especially with the pro- progressive banking and, and, a, and how wide it is at Iowa, and it's a fast track. So, you know, if it's fast and, uh, you know, it, it makes a little bit – the aerodynamics make a little bit more of a difference where in Martinsville – you know, you don't go so fast, so aerodynamics really don't mean a ton there because, you know, it's more about braking and handling and grip and mechanical grip and all that kind of good stuff that we love to see as race fans. Well, it was an interesting conversation, guys. Sorry we had those little technical difficulties earlier. Um, you know, we'll get those worked out, but we'll see you guys here next week on Talking in Circles. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss everything you want to know, and, and we'll keep you posted on our Facebook and Twitter pages as far as our next show is concerned, but we'll see you th- next time on Talking in Circles. For Clayton Coldwell and Philip Matthew, or for Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan, I'm Clayton Coldwell. Good night, everybody. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.